0: All right. Well, we are in a sermon series in the book of Psalms right now, so you can open up to Psalm 27. Psalm 27 is where we are going. The sermon is called Fearless Faith, and we are going to get so much encouragement from the book of Psalms together. I chose this series largely because I think everyone just needs to be pastored and shepherded and encouraged by God's Word, uh, myself included. So we're in book one of the five books of the Psalms, and these psalms are uh, noted for being psalms of orientation, largely. Who is God? Who am I? What is my place in this world? How do, how do I get on the right path? There's all these, like, foundational things that we cover, um, particularly in the first book of the psalms. And in Psalm 27, we're going to learn that we can find confidence and security and protection in the presence of God, especially when we can't see where this road is taking us, when life hits us harder when people get mean and unfair when we feel helpless in a world beyond our capacity to control when our finances get out of whack or our health is unpredictable or or there's conflict we can't resolve or we failed and we can't correct it and the future is coming how can we find fearless faith well in psalm 27 it says the psalm of david And we know that David went through many, many dark times. You know, he was anointed king when he was a teenager. You'd think God would walk him right up to the throne and sit him down and put a crown on his head. He had to run for his life. He had to live in a cave. He had to live in a forest. He had to leave his country. He was a hunted man. This guy knows what it means to be afraid. And so in Psalm 27, it says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation This sounds like a battle cry. If you need a battle cry right now, Psalm 27 is it. The first thing you could write down is this. The Lord is. David gives us three things the Lord is to him. And then he offers a conclusion. Before we realize what the Lord is, it says the Lord. Whenever you see in Scripture the capital L-O-R-D, that's Yahweh, that's God's covenant name, And you remember how important it is to know God's name, who he is, right? Uh, The Lord highlights his authority. He has authority in heaven and on earth. And he has control over all that he has created. He is the Lord. Knowing that he is the Lord means your life is entirely under his jurisdiction, And you are under his lordship. The Lord. Too often today, people don't want a spiritual Lord who's in total control. They want God the buddy. They want God the co pilot. They want God the cheerleader. They do not want the Lord. But it says here the Lord is, and then jot this down, my light. My light. Light and darkness. The theme goes all the way back to the first chapter in the Bible, right in the beginning. There was darkness and God said, let there be light. It's the first thing he made. Let there be light. And that said something about God bringing his presence to illuminate the darkness. God is my light. And boy, is this world dark. We learn as children to be afraid of the dark, right? When we're kids, because there's monsters living under our beds. <laughs> Mom! What? I heard something. Where? In the closet. There's nothing in the closet but drywall. You need to check it out. I know there's something in there. We're afraid of the dark. Grown-ups might not be af- as afraid of the physical dark, but we're certainly afraid of the darkness around us morally. We're certainly afraid of what could happen to us And the Lord is my light, so that we don't need to be afraid, my light. Now, because I have three kids and because of the era in which they grew up, I think I've seen every Spongebob episode five times, okay? But one of the Spongebob episodes that really caught my attention, especially back in the day when we were planting this church, and I could not see how it was all going to work. I said, Lord, I can't see how this is all going to work out spongebob was alone in the dark he took the wrong bus right and he was all afraid and he heard all these things and then he looked up and he's like this isn't just any darkness this is advanced darkness you know that feeling you know that feeling when you're like this isn't any darkness this is advanced darkness the lord is my light especially when i can't see especially when i'm afraid. The Lord is my light. Jot this down. My salvation. The light and my salvation. It says, the Lord is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Now, what is David afraid of in this psalm? Well, it says in verse 2, when evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and my foes. So, it, it's, he's He's depicting them as wild beasts who are coming to devour him. To like go for the throat and and make him lunch, right? That's how he feels. He feels like these adversaries are coming to maul him. Maybe you've seen the video that went viral of a couple that was just getting ready for their date and the husband was out there with his coffee and the wife had a cat in a carrier and they were taking the cat in the carrier, I don't know, to the vet or whatever. And then a bobcat came up and thought that the cat, the carrier, looked like a tasty breakfast treat. So the bobcat chased the woman along the side of the car, and then the husband had to come to the rescue. Check it out. I've got the video to show you. Good morning. Morning. I need to wash my car. it's the best best. do we have a picture too of him actually throwing the bobcat i don't remember there it is right there yeah that's just husband of the year husband of the year Uh, wives you have my permission to say to your husband what have you done for me lately because that man took bobcat right threw it away Now look, this is the idea when it says the Lord is my salvation. He's saving me from people who want to devour me, right? He's saving me. He's saving me. So what that husband did, that's what God does when people want to, when life wants to just devour us, right? That's what God does. He is my salvation. Jot this down. He's my stronghold, my light, my salvation, my stronghold, The stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? Notice that he's talking to himself. Whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? This is a reflection. And remember, it's a song. The Psalms were songs. So this is something that would be sung. And so he's my stronghold. When I think of the idea of a stronghold, I remember that we've taken several trips to Romania. I think I've been to Romania like eight or ten times uh, and I visited like 12 cities. They, uh, because their history goes all the way back, they have some artifacts and monuments set up to like the year 1100, right, uh, A.D. And, and so um, what's really cool is you hear the history, but you see the architecture, and they have fortresses, citadels, they call them. Many of them are up on a hill, so check it out. Here's one of the uh, citadels that you can visit in Romania. And that's a fortress, right? Here's another picture. Uh, you know just imagine being in that when someone comes to mess with you i'm here to hurt you here's another picture imagine if this is your dwelling place you are in there now here's here's what's so amazing the lord is my that that is what god is to me when i'm in his presence he is he is my fortress David says. He's where I run. He's where I hide. He's where I take refuge. So many times David was running. Crazy King Saul was chasing him with his spear. David had to run. He had to flee. He had to hide. He thought he was a dead man. Many times the army got so close. You remember the story when Saul went into the very cave Dave was with all of his men. It was that close. He didn't know if he was going to make it to the next day, the Lord is my light, my salvation, my stronghold. In other words, David didn't learn this by taking a Bible class online. Well, I'll be. The Lord is my stronghold. He lived it. And this is how we learn this as well. Here's the uncomfortable truth, though. If you want to learn how great it is that God is your light, guess what you need to experience? Darkness. If you want to learn that God is your salvation, guess what you need? Wild animals chasing you. If you want to know God is your stronghold, what do you need? Some threat that drives you to your refuge. So he says, so I will not be afraid. So jot this down, so I will not be afraid. And then he ups the stakes here. I will not be afraid, verse 3, though an army encamp against me. My heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. Now this is all nice big talk. Like imagine if you said it, right? Like you're going to your job and you're getting all hyped up and you're saying your battle cry. Even if an army shows up, I'm going to follow the Lord today. Well, listen, an army ain't coming, okay? an army's not coming to your job. But for David, the king, (laughs) he knew this. I mean the real thing. He knew an army coming to his country to kill him. He knew that. He stood out on the field of battle and saw Goliath slandering his god. He was just a teenager, and there was an army behind him, and they were all chicken. They didn't want to go do anything. You remember what happened? It said David heard it. He walked out on the battlefield, and he looked at Goliath, and Goliath is just shooting off at the mouth, right? Forty days they've been out there. Can't get anywhere, and David heard it, and he says, who is this Philistine who's insulting our god? (laughs) And he goes out there, and then Goliath starts to trash talk, right? You know, like, I'm going to kill you. And David's like, I'm going to kill you and cut off your head. This isn't even going to be close. I can kill you with a Nerf bat. You've insulted my God. This is who's writing this psalm, all right? This isn't someone who's really good at a video game. I got 100 kills, right? He's like on the battlefield. And he literally killed Goliath and chopped his head off with his own sword. This is the man writing this. And he's like, a whole army could come, bring it on. I think if a whole army did show up at your door, you'd do a lot worse than David's doing. (laughs) You wouldn't be like, oh, I read a psalm about this. I'm not afraid of you. You'd be like, run, run. I will not be afraid. This is unbelievable faith. It's unbelievable. David knew that his giant problem was no big deal to God. The giant had a problem right, David knew that. You have insulted the God of Israel. You're dead. And then everyone will know that there is a God in Israel. And David was right. Really, the biggest problem in your life, giving you the most trouble, God's not intimidated by that. Not at all. God's bigger than your giants. Number one, the Lord is my light, my salvation, my stronghold, so I will not be afraid. Can you say that? Can you, can you make that your battle cry? Can you roar with confidence because of what you know to be true about God? This is what these psalms do. They tell us, they, they give us our bearing, they, they calibrate things, they, they call us to confidence. And then David goes on. He goes on to say this. Verse 4, One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off, forsake me not, O God, of my salvation. For my father and mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Number two, jot this down. I want to dwell in God's presence forever. The Lord is my light, my salvation, my stronghold. I want to dwell in his presence forever. It's the one thing David has asked, right? Now, what was worship like in David's time? Well, remember, David wanted to build a temple. God said no. Solomon built the temple, his son. So there was a tabernacle. This was the tent of meeting that was built in Moses's day. It was, uh, remember when we went through the Moses series, I said it was glamping. Glamour camping, that's a thing. This was a golden tent, okay? It had the Ark of the Covenant inside, and there was a surrounding area where they offered sacrifices. This is how you could draw near to God. This was the earthly throne of God. I mean, amazing things have happened in this tent. Fire has fallen from the sky, right? Uh, People have died because they haven't done the worship right. This was where God's throne was. And David's like, I just want to go in there forever. Now he was a king. The priests and the Levites could go in there. Only the high priest could get into the Holy of Holies, and that only once a year. And David couldn't get enough. He wanted to be a worship leader, right? He loved writing songs. He obviously wrote, you know, this, but he couldn't abide there. He could just kind of go and leave and go and leave. It drove him nuts. There were kings in the Old Testament that barged into the temple and went where they weren't supposed to go. God struck them down. So David knew. He's like, I... I'd love to just be in there, right? And David's basically saying, I want more of that. I want more of him. And versus, versus when life gets hard, I want less of that. I want less of him. Hey, what has your pattern been when life has gotten hard? What has your pattern been when people have gotten difficult? Does that energy drive you into the presence of God? I want more of him. I want more of that. I want to be in his presence around his people, singing. Or has your pattern been, I want less of that. I until this all clears up, I just can't even take it. I'm kind of mad at God. I want less. Are you a, I want less, or are you, I want more? What's troubling you right now? What is your darkness? What is threatening your safety and security? What, what is making you afraid? Is that propelling you forward in faith? Or is it dragging you backward? David's like, I want more. I want more. I want to serve Christ more. I want to know him more. I want to love him more. I want to trust him more. That's what he's longing for. He makes it clear one thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after. It's a seek, it's a pursuit. I'm seeking God that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. So what is he looking for? And this is actually a really good portrait of what worship is all about today, right? Jot this down. He wants to behold his glory. He wants to behold God's glory. This could include remembering all that God has done, his glory of his past works. I want to behold what he's done. This could be just who he is. I want to hear who God is. I want to hear who he's revealed himself to be. I need to be reminded we have amnesia, don't we? We forget who we are in Christ. I want to see God's glory in His Word. I want to remember it. I want to declare it. Yes. When it comes to what else he asks for, he says he wants security. Jot this down. He wants to find security. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in His temple, for He will hide me in the shelter in the day of trouble. This day of trouble, right? It could be a day it could be a month it could be a year but it's a season of trial it's you're in the fire you're in a trial and uh, David talks about that the day of trouble he says I want security in the day of trouble he will conceal me under the cover of his tent this is actually kind of funny because remember he's going to church he's going to back in a tent it's a tent he walks into a tent okay Actually, not very much structural support to a tent. Okay, it can get knocked over, wind can pick it up. So he's talking about this thing like he's like in Fort Knox. It's just the tent. But he knows the Lord is there. Do you see what's happening here? He knows the Lord is there. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. I like that thought of being lifted high upon a rock. I've, uh, as I've shared before, been to Arizona several times and in Phoenix I love to hike up the mountains and I've shown you pictures before but it's a good point to show them again. Here's a good picture of being high upon a rock. Check it out. You're way up there and looking down on everything and you know can you just imagine like some guy on one of those front porches in one of those houses being like, I'm gonna mess you up, I'm gonna hurt you and I'm just up there like you can't touch me, say whatever you want, here's another picture, and being high upon a rock shows God's glory, meaning God, God has exalted you, and here's another picture, and you can just, you can just feel like he's with you, you can show the next picture, he's with you, right, he's with me, he brought me up to this high place, and he's with me in glory to find security, that's why we go into God's presence, You might actually be flat on your face in prayer, but God has given you the high ground of heaven in his presence. To find security, jot this down, to sing for joy, to sing for joy. Verse six, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. So now he's worshiping. He's he's singing. He's making melody. I just sometimes wonder when it comes to our church, our middle schoolers, our high schoolers, our college students, sometimes church can turn into, I have to, or, I have to, I have to. And you come maybe Sunday morning, maybe you come Sunday night to youth ministry, or and and, and you have to, right? You have to, and the worship is happening, and you know, you're not really saying much, maybe you're not even singing, you're just, you have to be here, you'd rather be in bed, you know, and I wonder if that's your heart, if that's your heart, I have to, instead of what David's saying here, I'm shouting for joy, I'm singing for joy, I'm expressing my heart to God, especially when I don't feel like it, I'm singing for joy. Do you sing For joy to God. He's looking into your heart. God was checking out what was going on in David's heart when he was an early teenager. And by mid to late teens, God had anointed him king. Faith in Christ, worshiping God is not this, I'll get there eventually. He wants to know what's in your heart right now. I want to dwell in God's presence forever. I want more of that. To behold his glory, to find security, to sing for joy jot this down, to pray for answers, to pray for answers. Are you praying for answers? How is your prayer life? He says here in verse 7, hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. So are you praying? Are you asking God for answers? Do you have stories of God answering your prayers? If you're just praying for him to bless those chicken nuggets before you eat them, I got news for you, your prayers are never getting answered. Bless this food to our body, all right, nothing just happened. <laughs> but, but do you have like stories where God has heard your prayer and responded with awesome deeds? Uh, one of my professors at my seminary, Moody Bible Institute, when I went to, talked about how he journaled his prayers. And so long ago, boy, it had to be 12 years ago, I got into journaling my prayers, and I would just write. It's it's easy to fall into ruts when you're just saying your prayers, but when you write them, you don't want to write the same thing over and over again, right? Forces you to be creative, forces you to be focused, and you know, my first prayer journal then turned into two and three, and they started turning into little scrapbooks with answered prayers, and and even maybe some like question marks with unanswered prayers, And, and now I've I've got two whole shelves on my bookcase full of prayer journals. I can go back, you know, to May 3rd, 2013 and be like, ah, here's what I was talking to God about. So maybe you want to try prayer journaling. You can um, improve your prayer life in many ways. You can improve the frequency. You pray more often. You can improve the intensity. You pray more intensely or you can, improve, you can improve the time. You just sit there for longer, longer durations. But are you praying for answers? And are you remembering that really it's not just the goodies that are important. Prayer is a way for you to build friendship with God. It's all about your relationship with Him. I like what Tim Keller says about prayer. He said, we tend to see God as a means through which we get things to make us happy. For most of us, God has not become our happiness so are you wanting God to give you things to make you happy or do you want him to become your happiness by what he does in you and through you wow David's giving us an overview of worship here behold his glory, find security, sing for joy pray for answers, jot this down to seek and serve God to seek and serve God it says here you have said seek my face my heart says to you it's conversation. Your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. There's one psalm, uh, I forget which one it is in this first book, that says, <laughs> why, Lord, do you hide your face in times of trouble? Imagine writing that song, right? Chris Tomlin just came out with a new song. Oh, what's it called? It's called, why, Lord, do you hide your face when I'm in big trouble? <laughs> I don't know if that would be a popular Christian song today. David wrote about it. It feels like God hides his face from me when I'm in trouble. So he's begging here, don't do that, Lord. Don't turn away from me. Don't cast me off. Don't forsake me. For my father and mother have forsaken me. This might be hypothetical. David took care of his parents even when he was on the run, so we don't know. Maybe there was a point where they turned on him too. My father and mother have forsaken me. The Lord will take me in. Hey, when you're seeking him, even if everyone else turns away from you, God won't abandon you. Turn to seek and to serve God. David keeps calling himself your servant, your servant, right? He wants to serve God. He sees himself as a servant of God. For a king to say he's a servant is a very humbling thing. So, when when do we seek God? <clears throat> well, we seek him when we need a light, a stronghold, when we need salvation. How do we seek him? We go to his presence. We behold his glory. We find security. We sing for joy. We pray for answers. We serve him, right? And I like what Isaiah 45 19 says. We'll put that up on the screen. It says, I did not speak in secret, God says, in the land of darkness. I did not say to the offspring of Jacob, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. God's not going to mock you. If you're seeking him and calling out, he's not going to be like, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. (laughs) Ha, 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 trap door. Well, that was fun. Next. He's not this bad father who would not meet you when you seek him. We believe such terrible lies about God, right? We write such awful stories, uh, endings to God's stories. And you might be in a place right now where you have to trust God and seek Him and abide in His presence and call out to Him. And maybe you're like, I've done that and it hasn't gotten better yet. Well, that's why the third point is here. Number three, I will follow the Lord patiently. I will follow the Lord patiently. Verse 11, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Means He knows he's got the pedal to the metal, and he's not sure if he's on the right track. He wants God to direct him. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Hey, are you following the Lord patiently? What is God making you wait for right now? What is it that He's making you wait for? Resolution? Vindication? Provision? Direction? What is He making you wait for? What is God making you wait for? How are you doing at waiting? See, this is the hardest thing to do in faith. There's many trials... People, health, money. The hardest trial, hardest thing that a Christian has to learn how to do, I'm going to show you. Ready? It's this. Waiting. Boy, if you can wait, you've got a superpower. The ability to wait, if you can wait on God without complaining, you're like a mutant, because the rest of us can't. I want it now, yesterday. Can't we hurry this up? This is taking too long. How long, O oh Lord? Will you follow the Lord patiently? Now, we have to be careful here. David knows, teach me your way, O oh Lord, and lead me on a level path. So he knows if he gets off path, his enemies are going to whomp him. He knows. He knows if he gets off path, he's a dead man. You need to know that too. And listen, hear me, if God's making you wait for something, you stay right on that path. You don't veer off to a quick sinful solution, right? You don't clock out of faith and go home. You stay right on that path. When the Bible tells us to stay on the path, it's not like I'm on a nice wooded trail, but I feel like leaving it for another wooded trail. There's peril. When we get off the path of God's word, here's a picture of a trail, and you can't get off the path, or only doom will result. Okay? Stay on the trail means stay on that. Here's another picture. Okay, one wrong step, and down you go. And when you're in a trial and you feel this pressure toward a sinful solution, right? I'm gonna fill that void in my heart with people I have no business being around. I'm going to grab that substance that's just dulling all the pain and go way too far with it, right? I'm just going to dull myself with way too much media and not face the reality of what I have to do. There, there's just, you step off the path and down, then down you go. We've got to stay on the path of trusting God. Jot this down. By, lear, by learning his instructions. By learning his instructions. So finding out what a wise manner of life looks like. Coming to church with bringing big ears, big ears, listening. God, what do you have to say to me today? Not these teeny tiny ears. Well, if it was a different topic or if the preacher was a little better, maybe I would have gotten something out of it. Little ears, little ears. I only learned the Bible from this. Little ears, little ears. you got to bring big ears with you, right? God, speak. Talk to me. And you've got to listen, especially when you're hurt, especially when you're afraid offended, insulted, blindsided, taken advantage of. That's when you have to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, when it's hardest. Learning his instructions, staying on the trail. Jot this down. Even when life is hard and people are mean. It says here, give me not up, verse 12, to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. They're lying. They're lying about me, God, and they're threatening me. They're lying about me and they're threatening me. People are mean. Life is hard. This is a unique trial. It's fairly suffocating when someone is lying to other people about you. Lying, lying, lying. You don't know who they talked to. You don't know what they said. But then suddenly you see someone and things are different. Do you know what I'm talking about? They're treating you differently now. Why are they treating me different? They don't want to talk to you. They walk away like this, and things are colder. Oh, I wonder if they talked to them. huh? And you can't go out there and sort it all out for people. Hey, did you listen to lies about me? They don't want to talk about it. It's all in the shadows, right? Do you know that feeling? I know that feeling. Do you know the feeling when someone is telling despicable lies about you to other people, and you just can't go out there and fix it all? David knows that feeling. David knows that feeling. When people are out there wanting you to fall, making up lies about you, you've got to trust God. Even when life is hard and people are mean, jot this down. David says it so well, because I believe God's goodness will prevail. This is such a great verse. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Now he's preaching it. Wait for the Lord be strong and let your heart take courage, wait for the Lord. Hey, there is going to be a moment this week when you will remember what I'm saying to you right now. The ground is going to open up under your feet. Something unexpected is going to happen. That person is going to say something again, and, and, and you're going to have to say this to yourself. Be strong and take heart And wait for the Lord. You're going to have to preach it to yourself. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. The moment is coming. I don't know if it's going to be Monday or Wednesday or Saturday. I don't know. You're going to be there. And you're going to remember that I'm preparing you for that moment right now. Believe God's goodness will prevail. Be strong means don't lose faith and don't surrender your integrity. Be strong. Don't lose faith be strong. Don't forfeit your integrity. Be strong. Don't complain. Don't complain. Be strong. Be strong. Take heart. This is like spoken to soldiers on the field of battle who are about to charge out against a great foe. Faith requires courage. Hey, take heart. But I don't know how it's going to turn out. Take heart. Take heart. And wait for the Lord. How long Wait for the Lord. Don't rush a sinful solution. Now where I'm leaving. Don't rush God. Be a championship waiter. God uses painful trials to beckon us into his presence, and he promises he will be right there with us. What a psalm. This is a war cry. I know that a lot of us need this. The Lord is my light, my salvation, my stronghold. I will not be afraid. I want to dwell in God's presence more and more and forever to behold his glory and find security and sing for joy and pray for answers and seek and serve him. And I will follow him patiently, learning his instructions, especially when life is hard, because I believe his goodness will prevail. I think we need to pray and apply this psalm to whatever it is that's really shaking us. So let's close our eyes and let's bow our heads and let's pray together right now. Father, I know that every week people bring such heavy burdens into the church. You know them all. And Lord, sometimes we feel like we just shove it down and don't think about it. We don't want to think about it. We don't want to talk about it. So I just pray that this psalm would just give people fearless faith today. And I don't know, Lord, who feels like they're in darkness, they can't see, they're afraid who feels like they're being uh, attacked or pursued or feels like they're in a very low place but I just pray that you would be their light their salvation and their stronghold even if an army surrounds them Lord may they know that you are the Lord and I pray that whatever pain they're enduring whatever they're suffering whatever they're fearing help them to come closer to you help them to come closer to you to behold your glory, to find security and sing for joy. May they ask, may they seek, may they knock, knowing that if they seek your face, you will not turn them away. May they not lose heart. And Lord, as we follow you patiently, teach us. Teach us, Lord, about our folly. Teach us about wisdom. Teach us about trusting you. Grow us, O Lord, in understanding of your word. Lord, when life is hard and people are mean, when we most feel like losing it, blowing up, surrendering our integrity, taking a shortcut, keep us in the fire. And may we know that your goodness will prevail. Jesus, we thank you because you are our light. You are our rock. You are our stronghold. And we will trust you and serve you forever. Amen.